0: I'm just influenced by the shit I was into growing up. And like, you know, I've been around energy drinks and I've been around truck stops and I've been touring my whole life and I've been listening to Springsteen and I've been listening to Public Enemy. And somehow this is my weird attempt to sort of like synthesize all of these things.
1: (laughs) Um, here I am.
0: It's like this sort of like larger new form of American culture. I'm just trying to create my own universe. It's
1: really weird, because I'm not really speaking to you in front of me. But I have to think of you in front of me, because if I don't, then I won't be able to speak to you. How you doing?
0: (laughs) It's pop culture at its essence.
1: Whoa, this is me. As
2: you suspected, Uh, once again, Yoni Wolf. Coming to you live, not live, from my house right now uh, as I am heating up some chicken soup. And not even chicken soup, chicken broth that I made from uh, a roast chicken that I ate all the chicken off of it and then I put all the bones in some water and boiled it. It's easy. Uh, and it makes a, a scrumptious broth and it's really, really healthy for you. Good, good for you. They say bone broth is, you know, uh, Really nutritious uh, I am goodness gracious you know it's it's there's always the ups and downs always the ups and downs of life but today I'm feeling pretty good I've just been inloading a bunch of voice memos into pro tools so that I can kind of see what what I have as far as all my different song ideas um, in order to um, I'm looking in the mirror now, and I'm a right-handed guy, I feel like my left shoulder is bigger than my right shoulder, strange, anyway, I, yeah, inputting all these, all these voice memos to see what I have, so that I can start to, start to, well, uh, put some songs together here, and, um, you know, figure out, that is the boiling water, I'm gonna crack an egg into this, because, uh, just to add, it's almost like when, this is the way I feel right now, I actually would prefer not to eat right now, in the middle of the day, the middle of the day, if I'm into something, is the time where they say you should eat something, but that I don't really, uh, ever really want to eat something, I I will overeat at night, okay, okay, I know you're boiling, I know you're boiling, this is a one handed, I did a one handed egg crack like a uh, chef on TV, and it worked doesn't always work for me um but yeah what I was saying is that um just just trying to scrap everything together uh and you know start to start to get into a mode where I'm sort of putting um you know getting thing getting finishing I like that 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 idea in real estate. You know, they say always be closing. You know, always be closing on a house. You know, for me as a, as an artist, I like the idea of always be finishing. You know, always be be finishing something up as you're starting something else. Uh, that's kind of a good feeling. You know, for any artist uh, making work on a regular basis. I'm gonna get a little bit of. Turmeric in turmeric in here. Put it in this soup. I should have done it earlier, but I didn't because uh, that has a really good anti-inflammatory effect. They say, as does fish oil, which I'll dump into this in a second. Uh, This is, you know, this is peasant food in a way. You could say, maybe I don't know. I've. You know, I've I've been in this mode of of feeling like I just constantly want like a little spiritual bump, something to remind me. And I I have meditated the past two days. That's good, but just so, something to kind of remind me of of what's going on here or what's not going on here. Uh, you know, y- you can easily get duped um, by the mundanity of of your life you know and and the the cyclical ways that we not only live you know doing the same routines every day and whatnot but we also uh think that way you know we we and we ha- we have our cyclical patterns that we fall into with our with our uh yeah, not only our thought patterns but but our, our, our behavioral patterns, you know. So for me, if I start eating cashews or something, it's hard for me to stop eating cashews. And that's like a that's some kind of like addiction loop, uh, so to speak. You know. I, I've been trying to sort of get out of that way of thinking and, and really think about and, and, and get out of the, the thinking of of me as a as a collection of my memories and, and my experiences and um, remember what I what I am, which is which is a collection of cells that, that are you know and, and, and a collection of materials, atoms that, that have been in existence since um, the beginning since the Big Bang you know, uh, in one shape or form or another, you know, whether it was energy or it was matter. Um, And, you know, and my elements that make me up were were fused in the centers of of stars. That's not, of course, revolutionary thought. But it is revolutionary thought when you you start to live with that in mind, you know, and, and, and live with the idea of, how much space there is between each cell, between each atom, you know, and 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 how to to fathom the depths that is you and how 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 microscopic you go, you know. But we we just happen to have a the perception that we do uh, from from the place that we are in terms of size. So our eyes, ears, nose, mouth, touch, you know, all that stuff is based on uh, a certain size, a certain scale. But it goes, it goes bigger infinitely maybe, and it goes smaller infinitely maybe, or if not infinite, pretty damn far. Um, And below that is what? Is that God? Below that? Or above that, you know, in the infinite external, in the infinite internal? Is that God? You know, so I... I, I, I this stuff interests me a lot, and I, I want to keep my mind state in that high frequency of thinking in, in, ter- in those terms and not, not, not fall back into the mundanity of, uh, you know, the world. But you know what? If you're in tune with the mundanity... And, and aware of what it is you're doing in the context of that larger picture or smaller picture, if you want to talk about the, the infinitesimal tininess, um, then it becomes profound as well. You know, so I am cooking this soup, and you know, where did this the the, the broth is made from these chicken bones from this one chicken that came from where, and but beyond that it, it the chicken is actually me as well you know it's it's we're, we're from the same stuff. If you go back far enough uh we we not only do we have a common ancestor somewhere on earth, but uh beyond that, before that we do, and after that we do you know I'll go back into they say into dirt, but I don't even think in terms of that i i you know. I think that's that's of course that happens, but I think it's more of an energy going back uh, into the hole. Wow. Anyway, so I all this is just to say that I've been looking on the faith and spirituality section on Netflix for my my stoned evening watchings, um, rather than you know Orange is the New Black, which I. Also, partake in occasionally, um, or you know, key and peel episodes or whatever, which I also participate in. But but the the faith and spirituality stuff is what I look to um, to feel to get that feeling. And uh, there's not much there, you know. There's not too much there that I haven't seen that really gets me going. And you know, sometimes the science stuff gets me going as well. Because they're tied in, in my mind. Um, and, you know, that's problematic for some scientists and it's problematic for some uh, religious folks. But for me, that's sort of, they give me that same feeling in a way when it's done right. And there's a, some of them that do. So I, I watch, watch some Bible stuff. You know, I keep an open mind. And, and uh, I, you know, I grew up. Steeped in the religious world and the in, in, in messianic Judaism and believing a certain thing about about uh, Jesus, we called Yeshua, and uh, and you know heaven and hell and the end times and 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 goodness and righteousness versus you know wickedness and evil, God versus the devil. Uh, these are things that I grew up in and worried about and stressed about. Uh, you know. Sin and sin versus uh, 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 virtue and all that. And uh, but then going back to that, I I like to think, okay, well, these ancient peoples had ideas about, uh, you know, uh, myths and ideas. And not to say myths in a way of this is fake, but just they had a way of explaining what is right. Everyone wants to know what is. Why are we? What are we? And, you know, these are my people, actually. These are, these are my most, you know, related things on earth. My ancestors that wrote these books. Um, and it's interesting, you know. And, and I, th- there are things that, that skew me that, that, that don't feel too right, you know. I like the New Testament. I like the Jesus stuff. I think he has good teachings. I watched something called the Book of John, though. Um, which was just someone reading the Book of John, which I had read in the past long ago. Uh, but I, you know, I, you skim it; you don't really think about it. But listening to a guy, you know, and I'm more of a, more of an auditory learner. Listening to the guy read it, and then they had like reenactments on the screen, which I, I, I'm happy to to um, to say were, were, were pretty pretty dark people. They looked Mediterranean enough to be ancient Hebrews, uh, as opposed to, like, I watched some of the Bible, the miniseries, and it's all, the, it looks like Game of Thrones, you know, it's like, not necessarily Targaryens in there, but definitely some Lannister types, and lots of Baratheon types, or, or you know, or Stark types uh, in there, but, but definitely, definitely, you know, on the sort of British Isles swing of things, uh, in terms of, of uh, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, uh, Abraham and Isaac were, were, were sandy blonde. I don't think they were sandy blonde folks. Um, so, you know, just, you know, at coming, having come out of, you know, a, Africa uh, not too long in the distant thousands of years before that and all that. Um, anyway. Anyway, that's beside the point. Anyway, this, this book of John one did have uh, maybe I was the, maybe the lightest in, 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 in look, you know, out of the people in there, which I thought was probably accurate. Uh, not that I was in there, but I'm saying if I was, I would have been. But, but what struck me about the book of John, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm but believe me, I know where parenthetically I'm at um, in terms of my, my asides and convolutions, uh, it's a complex equation, but I know where I'm at. Uh, so what I'm saying is, is, is that I've, what struck me about it was that that uh, Jesus in this book, and, and each book has a slightly different, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have slightly different, and not to go on a Bible, uh, you know, I'm, this is not a theological discussion exactly, but but they each have their own sort of take. Right. They're each written by a different person, uh, assumedly. What struck me about it was that in this book, it, it, there wasn't too much teaching. OK, there were some works, you know, he did heal a blind man. He he raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, he healed a crippled guy, uh, things like that, that, you know, you could say, OK, well, these magic acts point towards something, you know, um, yeah, a little bit. He 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 had some arguments, some theological arguments with the Pharisees, who were the 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 priests, the head the head, head priests in 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 uh, Judea. Uh, but for the most part, what struck me as the main theme to the book of John it was was him. Arguing and 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 really like being a little bit defensive, or you know, and I don't want to put that on Jesus because I don't think he was that type of dude necessarily. But I, I think that um, his guys were defensive about what was. So who wrote the book? Which, it, assumedly, is John. John the Beloved, I think, uh, one of the disciples. Um, and I don't think he even wrote it. I think that he handed down this oral um, you know, account of what happened, and then someone else wrote it a hundred years later, 200 years later, um, because they kept saying the Jews in reference to the, uh, Pharisees, and, and, and also, like, just sort of the, the townspeople or whatever, uh, the Jews, and, and, uh, I found that strange, because everyone was a Jew at that, around there, um, for the most part I mean there were a few people like I think the Samaritans were not Jewish, but maybe they were I don't really know um, anyway what struck me was that there was just this defensiveness there was this like I, I'm the son of God uh, you know you guys you guys don't believe me I'm telling you I'm telling you I'm him I'm telling you I'm him you keep you know you know you're not listening to me I'm telling you I'm him you know like th- that's that's sort of what the what kept being said, and he would tell different people that, and the Pharisees, he told that several times, and all his different run-ins with them. Anyway, I, I, I was going to it for some, some wisdom, and, and I found this, like, argumentative thing that uh, turned me off, actually, but maybe I'll go back, and ho- hopefully they'll have, like, uh, the book of Mark, I think, is the one that people like. I think that's, like, got the Sermon on the Mount on it and all that, um, I think, Anyway, maybe we'll get into that later. That's that's the stuff I like is is his alteration of the teachings. But what strikes me, and I know I'm going I know I'm going long on this one, um, but sometimes you know what strikes me. And I looked up the when did the 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 Buddha Siddhartha whatever whatever live, and he lived about 400 years prior, okay, to Jesus. Something like that, For, uh, and and then you 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 know I I watched this thing about the Dead Sea Scrolls, and there were these sects within Judaism, and I, I don't mean to bring Buddhism into it, but I was just curious because to me, um, Buddhism has a relationship to Christianity in a way in terms of the softness, in terms of the uh, the pulling away from more. Sort of warlike religions, which I think Judaism earlier was it was a pretty you know it was hard uh, the God that that you feel in there feels kind of hard um, you know as was everything I think prior to that and and after that it continued to be but but I think that the teachings of of Jesus had this had this peacefulness you know had this like uh, humility and self sacrifice vibe to them that I think Buddhism sort of has this this idea of suffering in that same way um and giving in to suffering but uh yeah where what now now I did forget now I did forget um what where I was with oh oh but just just that in the Dead Sea scrolls talk of this sect called the Essenes I think that's what they're called and and they were uh people that lived sort of outside of the city you know uh, near jerusalem and they seemed to be uh scroll writers like a print like a printing press essentially for the books of the torah you know that 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 we now think of as that make up the torah you know which is you know genesis exodus Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, etc. Not in that particular order necessarily, but I don't know that they had a particular order back then that they thought of it in anyway. Um, so they they were making copies of all the. But you should watch that the Dead Sea Scroll. That's interesting. I mean, it's 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 one of these Discovery Channel like, this is the Dead Sea Scroll. Did you know? In you know they you know they try to they bring up ideas of hidden treasure and shit, whatever anyway uh but this sect seemed to have these dissenting views about Judaism you know just just dissenting theology and i think that that, that was a time you know around the the turn of of the uh the turn of the bc to 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 ad whatever you call that at the turn of the zero um it seems like People were, you know, and and maybe Buddha came 400 years before that. Okay, but people started to, were starting to sort of think in other terms and starting to question, you know, what they had been told. And I'm sure some people did that all along, but it seemed like Jesus was there at the right time, at the right place to do that. Um, So he, um, you know, he, he caught on. You know, uh, not necessarily uh, uh, amongst his own people so much. To an extent, you know, he did have followers amongst amongst the Jews, but but he he then, you know, after he died, his his legend sort of spread on because it was kind of it was the right time for that. And of course, he just was used in the same way that any other religion was used. Um, after his death, which he would have, he would have not been into, guaranteed. You know, he had these ideas that were revolutionary and he was put into the same, um, you know, the same, the same like machine reasons for war that, that every other, you know, reasons for, for, for maintaining power, et cetera, et cetera, that any other religion or, um, you know, idea had, had, had previous to that in many ways. Uh, you know, but also what struck me in watching that, that uh, book of John or, you know, and thinking about that is I think that, and, and they suggested that possibly Jesus has studied with these Essenes. Who knows? There's no proof for that. But that said, I, I believe that there were probably these, these cults, so to speak, of people that were sort of thinking different thoughts at that time, so I think he probably grew out of one of those. Um, they say they don't have much information about Jesus from when he was like twelve until he was, till he kind of blew up a little later, um, in his maybe early twenties or even later than that. Um, so, because it seemed like the Book of John took place really, it was only like three years. If you go Passover to Passover to Passover. Uh, so he would have been thirty or something when when really when he started um, gaining traction, it sounded like. Uh, but basically, that he he probably was studying because he seemed to know the Bible really well. And okay, you you can say that. Well, he's the son of God. He just he was born with that knowledge. I personally, you know, I don't. I believe that he, of course, was tapped in. I believe that he was tapped in to To the spiritual realm, um, you know, in the same way that the Buddha was um, was tapped into that, but I I don't necessarily believe that that you know I don't know what to think about the the, all the all the other the magic stuff you know. Um, I don't I don't tend to think that things go necessarily against the laws of physics. In a blatant way. I think that there are definitely physical and and metaphysical sort of laws that we don't understand exactly, and things do act in ways that we don't quite understand. But but I don't I don't know. I don't know. I I, I just but 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 what struck me is that maybe this was a man that that in modern times we would call him schizophrenic or something like that. You know, and there were you know there were references to you know, is he demon possessed, you know, which is to me code for, for, uh, quote unquote mental illness, you know, things that we call mental illness. I think that maybe he, he had some ways that his brain worked that were a little more raw and a little more tapped into the spiritual realm than the average guy. Um, and I also think that he had, you know, he, he, had, he, 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 he went all the way, obviously. He went all the way to the cross, right? I mean, that's knowingly he did that, you know, because he, he, he believed it himself wholeheartedly. Um, you know, he, went, he wasn't half stepping. And he had ideas. Not only, not only was he possibly, quote unquote, crazy, but I don't want to say crazy because I don't think of it like that, just he was deep in. You know, he was, he was really in touch. Um, but not only that, but he was, he, he was a scholar of, of the Bible and he had new ideas. He had differing ideas, which I think is awesome. I'm not telling you anything you don't know if you grew up Christian or, 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 or studying this stuff. Um, but these are just things that, I, that have struck me. And the only reason I speak about, about uh, Christianity or, or about Judaism is because that's what I grew up with. So that's that's what uh what I know and and uh, what I've been thinking about. But but yeah, really just this other sort of uh more metaphysical stuff is what I like to keep my my uh eye on. Anyway, all right. Look, Jesus gracious, oh me. Sorry for talking so long about this stuff, but it is stuff that I'm thinking about. My guest today, is Juicebox. Juicebox is a guy who I met on email. I guess I met him in person a couple times. um, Just at a couple different concerts of mine, I guess. Uh, And he is a friend of my friend Andre Highland. So when he hit me up on email... Um, and asked if he could be a guest on the podcast. I I had remembered his name, and uh, I thought about it, and then I read his whole email, and he someone had written a book about him and everything, so it seemed real interesting. He seemed like an interesting guy. Um, and I checked out some of his music, and was like, oh, goodness, this is some different stuff. And, he, you know, he was doing something unique, and uh, I decided, yeah, uh, let me try to talk to this guy next time we are in the same city. So that is what happened. He came through Cincinnati, playing a house show. I stopped by the house show. It was very loud. It was very loud, and I had to. I kind of st- stood in the in the the room just outside, but I watched uh, for during his set, and uh, it was wild. It was wild. It was it was aggressive, kind of. Uh, Punk rock rock vibes, but uh, let's just get right into it. I'm sorry that that I feel like my 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 intro was so different than what we're about to talk about, but that's all right. That's all right. Let's get into this conversation with Juicebox. What's happening? No, that's all right juice box what's how going doing, on man? man good 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 how are so you Eating with me i'm okay yeah we're well, let's go back here to this little back uh alley yeah. you already got coffee
0: yeah um i mean we could sit in the park or yeah something. let's go to the park baby i mean i think i've had one too many like i said one too many blows through the head i you got love a it. nasty little gash on your head yeah that was some sunday night in cleveland you got stitches no. no,
2: just 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 it is. I mean, what it I is.
0: yeah. I mean, I think it will be okay. Maybe my, I hit. Be fine. I hit my head. Hit my guitar player's headstock. Okay, Shit. and it was just. It wasn't the first time I've bled on stage, but it was the most amount of blood ever. That's a, that's. Like, it was like it looked like a, a black metal record cover right. or something. It was just like well, that's
2: that's perfect for 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 the the drama, right? Bring more drama to the situation. Yeah,
0: especially since it was like this punk bar in Cleveland, and there's like ten people there on a Sunday night. You know, it's yeah. just like. Um, right. Pretty bleak experience <laughs> yeah. overall, but it's good. It's fine.
2: Um, okay, well, I'm sitting here with Juicebox. I think your name is Ryan. Sure. Or something. It doesn't it matter. It doesn't really matter. doesn't matter. Someone told me your name at one point, but it, I'm just... For all intents and purposes, it's Juicebox. Yeah, for now, or, that's all you need to know, Or JB. Really. Yeah, JB. Um, let me preface this by saying this. I don't know too much about you. That's fine. Okay, I've been... I've been hit up by many people saying you should put me on your podcast. Yeah. blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm, I do this or that, and uh, you know, I, I ignore most of them. Uh, with yours, this is the first time that I have said yes because you, in your email you sent a link, and, and like someone wrote a book about you, and uh, you know, in like the the the. Quotes about the book it, The people that were quoted Were like Chuck Klosserman Lena Dunham yeah. Somebody else I don't remember So I was like okay this is interesting What is this all about So I delved a little bit deeper And then, then I realized well, we had met a couple times Yeah very fleetingly Yeah, and, and that your friends Or you know my friend Andre anyway Yeah we at, we made a music video together That's actually. right I yeah, saw yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Andre showed me that Um just a few weeks ago, actually, when he was in town, um, but I'm very, I'm very interested and curious about you. You know, once I started to look into you, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I should talk to this guy. And I asked Andre about you, and and he was like, oh yeah, you should talk to him for sure. So, so we're here now, um, and I, I, you know, I've listened to a few things, what I could find um, on the internet, and. I, did, I was at your show last night, and um, this is all very long, whatever, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Just, to just explain my, my experience sure. with you. I looked for a Wikipedia or something. No Wikipedia. I, don't, I didn't see that. No, it's
0: very, you know, I try to keep things kind of mysterious.
2: Yeah. Um, but there's, that said, there's a decent amount of press about you,
0: because probably because of the book. The book, and you know, over the course of my career, I've kind of had little, like, st- and stops of yeah. like success and I've had a decent amount of accomplishments but there are always really kind of there it's never like a linear progression with me it's always like I do something for a while then I kind of retreat from that and start something else all under the same name but I just move through these communities in a really weird way I think
2: interesting what why, why do you think you do that
0: well I I'm just such a fan and I like playing punk shows and I like playing rap shows and electronic shows, but I've never felt like I belong to one given thing. And that's sort of made my career a little confusing or hard, a little bit harder for myself, I think, maybe. Yeah. Because there ha- I have found success in certain moments making, like, dance records and then kind of turning my back on making dance records and then making more... Re- so what I'm trying to say is that it's been a, just a pretty atypical career path for me. Yeah. Which is to say, like, I will never try to argue that, like, I've been a successful musician. But I have, a, like, a, stacked up a weird idiosyncratic list of accomplishments i guess i could say such as what like what i mean like i've toured japan four times i've toured europe a bunch i actually almost we had the same booking agent in europe for a while headquarter oh yeah and i almost once opened a show for you in germany but you were i don't know if you were sick or somebody from your band was sick probably me. but you canceled a gig and okay and then it was at this like kind of big club of course because you were headlining and we were opening and they're just like well do you want to still play the show so i played in this like big club for like Fifteen people who were like, Oh, I guess we're we'll watched the opener. At, at the uh, I can't even remember what's it was what some mid sized German city I Oh it wasn't re- in Berlin. Okay. Like like it was I can't remember. Yeah. Nuremberg or Sorry. something. Yeah. You know? yeah. It was it was a while ago. It was maybe two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Sounds like two thousand eight to me. Yeah, two thousand eight. Then mm-hmm. we'll say we'll go with that. So yeah, yeah either way i canceling shows, yeah. I've toured a bunch. I toured with Public Enemy once. Okay. And, uh, you know, I put out records on a bunch of weirder, underground, smaller How did the Public Enemy thing come about? Well, I made a mixtape, like a rap-style mixtape, and uh, that kind of circulated around certain parts of the internet, and their booking agent just, like, thought it would be a weird thing for me to go on tour with them. And that that, was such, obviously, uh, that was the experience that made me, before that, it was just me with an iPod. Playing mostly smaller shows, but after that, that's sort of when I got the idea to assemble a backing band. Yeah. Because Public Enemy did it, and for a long time, I just didn't think backing bands could work with hip hop, but they kind of changed my mind on that matter. And also, it, I was like, oh, yeah, duh, like I'm a punk performer, I should have a band. It's right. crazy it took me so long to f- figure that out, but I think I just had. S- so much baggage the li- live hip-hop or something but now i call myself rap rock you know like okay. i own yeah. that and i'm like trying to like reopen up that conversation a little bit you know are you coming from
2: you know th- again i'm i'm just trying to sort of figure no this out. is great I'm This is, is i, I, I kind
0: of love that this is happening in real time you know yeah. it's this is fun are you coming from like the art world in any way like performance art or like like, did you, did you go to art school or something like that? I didn't that? go to... I went to school for a year, then I dropped out and started touring, like, full-time. Um, I think the easiest way to say is that I just have a lot of different friends from a lot of different kinds of worlds. Yeah. And it all, it's always been a major interest of mine to move through these worlds. So, like, I have played at art galleries in New York, and I definitely, like, have connections in that world, but also I have connections in, like, noise music and punk and hip-hop and whatever. I guess my question is more like your intentions
2: behind everything. Is there is there a larger concept behind your whole shit, or have you not even thought about it like that?
0: No, I mean there is like an over there's like an overarching feeling I'm trying to present with Juice Box and also with the label slash energy drink I run, Thunderzone, which is that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah. So like I, there is definitely an overarching conceptual thing, which is to present a new version of Americana. Which is to say, like, I'm just influenced by the shit I was into growing up. And, like, you know, I've been around energy drinks, and I've been around truck stops, and I've been touring my whole life, and I've been listening to Springsteen, and I've been listening to Public Enemy. And somehow this is my weird attempt to sort of, like, synthesize all of these things. Yeah. It's like this sort of, like, larger new form of American culture. It's pop culture at its essence, but the music is kind of the, like, central point where all of this other stuff converges for me okay um so like it's just about yeah, create, it, I mean the conceptualism is I'm just trying to create my own universe but it's about an underlying aesthetic maybe but but it's not a hundred percent consistent
2: I mean there's like okay you had one song that I really liked that I heard a lot of it's like a little too loud for my taste sure to be honest yeah I know fine. I have a certain kind of taste no offense Yeah, that's fine it, 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 Nothing belittling about it The song that I really responded to Was a song that's called Open Up Your Life or Yeah Or Open Your Life what Open is, Up Your open Life yeah, Open yeah. Up Your Life And that that has a more 80s kind of like Well, it has like a new wavy feel sure, somewhat sure. And the video was very 80s Yeah, like, yeah, yeah Just yeah. the style of like, yeah Um, Really liked that a lot uh, but a lot of the stuff has like I'd say like a
0: 90s aesthetic Is that is that crazy? Sure Well, You know I think I think that Within that like vision It's very eclectic Yeah I would say I would never say that What I do is an eclectic But I would like to think That there's kind of a thread That runs through all this stuff I do Maybe only I can see it But I think I think if you actually like Did a deep dive And watch a bunch of my videos I'd hope to think that There's like these pieces that come together and there's forms of greater. No, I, I think there is a thread, and I think it does seem kind of consistent. In, but it is in some but the way. aesthetic, yeah, the aesthetics are like, you know, yeah, I'd go into a lot of different aesthetic directions. But
2: it's very niche. If you, if you, if you're thinking about you in time, yeah, which is cool. Which is why I think of it as kind of an, an art thing, an art piece in a way. Not, not to like push you into some heady direction that yeah, you're yeah. not in, but like because it's it's so based in the see I can relate to the aesthetics as well and I understand them in 20 or 30 years it, they may not understand what's going on there you know what I'm saying it's so it's so specific to where how we came up and and the world that that we grew up in in the 80s 90s and like that certain kind of americana I mean, whatever. I'm not to say, I'm well, not no, saying, I, know, I I'm I, not saying your work's going to be irrelevant yeah, in yeah, 20 yeah. years. I'm just saying it, it's it, it'll be have to be viewed
0: very much from the and it may it may it may age well because it'll it'll be viewed so sort of very much from the outside. Well, I think what's it's important to remember that like a lot of the stuff that I'm influenced by was inherently retro at its moment. Like, okay. which is to say, like Bruce Springsteen. For, take for example. Uh, You know, he was referencing classic rock and roll and soul music in the mid-70s, and there was something inherently nostalgic about what he was doing. But then as his music aged, it took on its own meaning, divorced from whatever retro signifiers he was referencing at that moment in time. Yes. Which is to say that I think it's... I'm always... I'm actually really interested in how art and music ages. So, like, I'm not too concerned about that because I think... That Or ideally, what I've been kind of working towards all these years is building my own aesthetic, and within that, there's been a lot of exploration. Like, I'm not the kind of act that just, I come onto the scene at 22 with this fully formed thing that connects with the zeitgeist, and then I have a five-year run or whatever, I don't know. I mean, I'm just like, I would like to think, since I've been doing this, I started when I was 15, you know, and it's just been constantly me trying to carve out my own space, and you kind of see... In real time, I'm showing my work almost, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Through my, through my output and through the record label. And I don't think I'm done yet. I think I'm slowly honing in on a style that I can call my own. That's like the definitive juice box style. But within that, it's still like pretty eclectic, you know. Can you go into your, uh, you're 28
2: now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can so you I'm not go, young, you know. Can you go into your 30s, you know, and your 40s doing shit that's like what I saw last night which was, you know, I mean, it was, it's heavy and, and it's, it's moshy and, and wild. You know, is that something? It seemed teenage to me. Yeah, no sure. offense, but no, that's but, what I mean, it all, seemed.
0: But, you know, like all great rock and roll is teenage in my mind. Okay. In my mind, like, not to harp on Springsteen, I'm using this guy a lot, but he's a giant influence on me, even if it doesn't immediately show up in the music. But he's on stage, and I'm not suggesting that I'm going to do this into my 60s, but he's on stage in 60s, in essence. Doing these teenage rock and roll tropes, and then I, I wouldn't. Call, yes, there, there. I know, I know what you're saying,
2: but, but without, the, I guess the aggression, the aggression, the
0: aggression is what you is, is that, what
2: is what te- is teased out within Springsteen. Like, I mean, yeah, maybe he, some of his themes are teenage, so sorta, but they, but he also matured over time. Sure,
0: and, sure, and and I think the music I'm making is maturing, but I think like as a performer, I'm still, I'm always going to be attracted to a certain kind of intensity and. That shifts because the show is different. Like you saw a punk, like that space was was very on the space. That space was very punk rock, and I was and like that night there was really great local support on the act. There was a rapper. There was a guy doing kind of almost like digital hardcore, Atari, Teenage Riots, that from that crew, Realiside, from Cincinnati, Mm -hmm. and uh, that space kind of teased out something in me. Which is, it's not to say my shows are ever, like, low-key. Right. right. But when I'm on a stage, it's, like, maybe a little bit more of the classic rock impulses teased out. Yeah. And the direction I'm trying to steer it in is that, you know, I mean, like, like, like I said, you know, I've, I've done enough, I've done enough festivals overseas and I've done enough weird things to see how things can be scaled. Yeah. And even when I'm playing a punk house show, that's still in the back of my mind. That, like, the ultimate goal is, like, I think Juicebox can exist in that world, but it can also exist in front of a lot more people. I mean, like, Open Up Your Life, that song was written not for punk houses, you know what I mean? Yeah. That song was written for bigger spaces, yeah. even if it's just in my head. Yeah. But yeah, sure, I mean, the shows are aggressive and they're really intense. Um, But it's hard for me to do it any other way, like, to be honest yeah. with you. Why, why is that?
2: Do you Do you have a certain thing inside you that aggression or anger or something that comes out in those moments
0: well I like it comes back in some ways it comes from like pure intuition combined with a fan's impulse which is to say like the shows that have often affected me the most in my life have been really intense aggressive shows those are the things that have left an imprint on me as just as a fan so it's like what just as an aside I don't know seeing like John Dwyer from Coach Whips and Hospitals climb on top of a he's in the OCs now when I was, like, 16, see him climb on top of a jukebox and jump up and, like, smash a f- bunch of lights while still, like, playing guitar and playing this great rock and roll song. Or, you know, seeing playing with Japanther when I was, like, 15 or 16 or whatever, seeing Lightning Bolt or whatever, you know. or So, like, a very, lot of... Very heavy, intense music, Heavy yeah. stuff, but, you know, and, like, the goal for me is to kind of combine that impulse with... Like, I've always wanted to teeter on this tightrope act between being confrontational in a punk way and being entertaining in a way that is more tethered to like my great experiences watching rap shows or watching you know classic rock shows so it's always it's a tightrope walk between like this is like kind of scary and this is kind of dangerous and this is actually kind of positive and kind of fun and like i think that's why people have a hard time wrapping their brain around me because it is sort of this weird mix yeah of of energies right right and 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 i'm still figuring out but like that's what gets me psyched is to kind of do this thing that is like hard to put your finger on you right. know right right
2: and and uh, how did the energy drink thing come about? I mean, was that that was that just built. That was already something that was sort of built into your aesthetic, or you were thinking about, and then you decided I should come up with a brand.
0: Well, it's a rec- Thunderzone is a record label too. Sure, sure. And and sort of as a nod to the great Factory Records '80s label that put out Joy Division and New yeah. Order, they would give everything a catalog number, be it a poster for a gig, or a T-shirt, or a record. And I always thought that was a cool way to kind of organize all these things. So I kind of, like, took that inspiration. In Thunder Zone, everything gets a catalog number like it's a record. So the energy drink gets a catalog number. And, uh, you know, when I do... I do a lot of shirts with this rapper, Lil Ugly Mane, who's kind of this, like, cult hero, underground rap hero who nobody knows too much about. Uh, w- when I do a shirt with him, that gets a catalog number. Or when I do a juice box record. So everything, it's it was just more of... That was got what got me psyched, really, like why should a record label do an energy drink, you know? And in some ways, like, well, Lil john has got an energy drink, I should have an energy drink, you know? Right. It's more about communicating with people, or, like, you know, on some level, it's like, yeah, if you're, like, an art school kid who's, like, appropriating the Monster Energy Drink logo, I can say, no, you're, like, I took it, like, ten steps further. And But if you're just, like, some kid I met who doesn't know anything, I can say, hey, I got an energy drink, and it can function on that level. Like, yeah, he's a rapper with an energy drink. Do,
2: do you know? Do you know... My friend's Prince Rama, just out of curiosity.
0: Yeah, I've actually played with them a okay, few times. Okay, yeah, yeah, I figured. I figured. It's a sim- similar kind of... something. Sim-
2: well, they have their own very distinct aesthetic, but they, they're they also into the energy
0: drink. They're, they're monster people, but... Yeah, I mean, that's the... Like, some, Thunder Zone, similar. it was all about sort of being like, this is the drink for, like, you know, that show we, I played last night. It's like, those kids, you know, we're playing at a punk house, and it's right. like... Got an energy drink. Right. It seems so, like, crazy, but it totally makes sense. Did you sense. sell some energy drinks yeah. last night? And I look at it, I just look at it like it's a record or a zine or anything else. It's just, like, you tour enough, you get obsessed with the beverage aisle at the truck stop. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of comes from wanting to deal now, with those aesthetics. what, what, what is your elixir? I mean, what, how did you, like... How did? Well, it's how, it's such a crazy like because because I don't like, want to give away I don't want to give away too many secrets here you know no, because no, you like, don't have to tell me exactly what it's made of but but I'm just wondering like
2: how you came up with the formula and like did you have to get FDA approved and shit like it's that?
0: it's FDA approved and all I want is all I'm gonna say is that making an energy drink can be like making a seven inch record and it can be like making a zine it's just like you can take it into your own hands and you can figure it out and you don't actually need that much money I don't have that much money. Um, It's like a positive thing. Like, I would actually love to see more weird kids make energy drinks and have it be this weird thing where, like... Everyone has their own energy drink. Yeah, just like everybody... Yeah, like I said... Like, like podcasts. Like podcasts or records or zines. It's just like a thing. I don't know. It's Something about that excites me. It just seems new and interesting. And also, yeah, like, like I said, the bigger picture of Thunder Zone is, to me, going on the website and scrolling through the catalog and seeing all these things bump up to each other next to each other like right. and it might seem really eclectic and weird but i maybe just, in my head i see a through line between all of these products i release on Thunderzone. so th-
2: the the catalog numbers correspond to when they're released so the first thing was one or whatever yeah then, yeah yeah then just each thing that's that's that comes out like, no matter what it is just is it has a new number i
0: like that we're up to 35 okay Good. and uh yeah i've done thunder zone tours where I brought a couple of the acts whose music I release on tour and it's like a package tour and we play colleges. Yeah. So, you know, there's a vision and I think there's a scalability there, but it just kind of comes down to I don't know. I mean, maybe it will maybe it's just like it's pretty weird in some ways, but also I think the right kids could connect with it. Yeah,
2: you know. And you you live in New York now?
0: Yeah, okay. currently. And at, how do you like that? It's okay. I mean, I'm from Milwaukee and I spent some time in Los Angeles. And I would never claim New York as my home because I've lived there for a year and a half. And who knows how long I'll be there for. I, I luckily stumbled into some pretty affordable housing in Williamsburg. And if I didn't have this, if I didn't have that apartment plug, I might be gone already, you know. But so far, I'm there and I have a weird day job. And I, uh. What's your day job? Um, it, it's in the book. Just read the book and you figure it out. This is, this is my tease for people to read this. Uh, weird all right. One. Well, we should read. I, 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 would I should like have given to you a copy. I mean, I have really mixed feelings about this book, obviously. But I, sh- with that, no, set, not obviously. I don't know that. Why? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you know, I don't know. Like, you've had a lot of experience with press, obviously. Yeah. So, you sort of, I think, you have a general idea of the things that can go wrong when somebody writes a long form piece about you, right? Yes. And the kind of misunderstandings that might happen and. I just think this is an exaggerated version of that, meaning it's a 200-page book. Did he interview you a lot? Yeah, we did, like, maybe uh, 20, 15, 20 hours of interviews. It's not that much. No, it's not, and he didn't interview, he didn't interview any of my friends or any of my contemporaries or any of my family. The book is very much about one man's read of me, which is to say it's kind of divorced... From the larger cultural context that I yeah. might it's one man who maybe doesn't know that much about music.: <laughs> I see. It's a subjective.: uh, it's, very, well, it''s very much creative, nonfiction, contemporary. It's about him as much it is, as it is about me. Right.: Definitely. right.
2: I got you. So, so it's his own little artsy expression.
0: Yeah, it's, using it's, you
2: as a subject,, yeah, as
0: a character. Very much so. And you know, I'm going to have mixed feelings about that ultimately it's positive for me because he, as much as he used me i'm going to try to use the book to spread the message yeah i mean it seems to be getting a lot of hype it's no? getting press and i don't i'm not putting too much into this because like i said i've had these weird press cycles occasionally and you know you, I get some press, and then it goes back, and I keep just doing whatever I did. You have that. to get
2: used to that as an artist, sure. Any artist, yeah, not yeah, just yeah, yeah. you, but I mean, or maybe I'm in a similar position to you, same way. Yeah. There's there's these times of hype and, and 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 general adoration, and then and then
0: everything recedes
2: back into totally. the distance.
0: And mine is probably a micro version of what might happen to you or people on a slightly different level, but uh, it's still the same idea where you can't really put too many hopes and dreams into any of this. You know, I'm yeah. 28 now. I've I've been around, you know. I've had brushes with the industry a little bit. Not, not to say that they've been successful, but I've kind of moved around music. I'd a say risk. it sounds like you've been successful. Well, it's success on it's success on my terms, which is to say, maybe pretty low key. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, I've, I've aco- you know there are things that I've accomplished that I can genuinely look back and be psyched about.
2: Yeah, I I started thinking about that idea because I I definitely still feel like I'm always chasing something and not successful. But you know everyone at every level feels that way and, and at some point, you know, I mean, this is, this is no news and I've talked about this on the podcast before sure. but, you know, at some point you just have to step back from it and be like, okay, you know, like, if this is all I ever achieve in this life, this is great. You know, like, you know, just, for me, you know, sure. I can go almost anywhere and play a show and some people will come. It may not be the most amount of people but there'll be someone interested to come check me out. And uh, you know, I, I can easily scrap together a living without too much stress right now. And you know, I mean, it's whatever.
1: It,
2: it, I think all that shit is so subjective anyway. The, the idea of success and it does it does keep you know it it stays being that carrot on the
0: in front of the yeah, platform, absolutely. You know. And you know, like no matter what level you're at, you always have that feeling. There's yeah. always things to be done. But with that said, I think I'm getting more comfortable just doing the work and being psyched about that. I've, it's always been a part of it, but now I feel less... I'm just more psyched about writing songs and like, trying to find a way to perform them. And it's, I understand now it's going to take some time because I have big ideas, like this two-piece band that's not ideally... like I, I want a bigger band, and I have this idea of how it can scale. But what do you I, need? Maybe just a bass player. Maybe bass and maybe keys. I mean, I would like to do as little tracks as possible at this point. Yeah. Even if the even if the records are still really electronic, I want the show to be like very much a rock and roll show. Yes, yes. I mean, I I I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I've always. Well, How many pieces do you play out with now? Well, Has I mean, I, I don't
2: play with Y right now. Yeah. Um, we're in the middle of sort of cycle situation, whatever. In terms of, you know, we did two years on a on a record that came out in 2012, and then now we're we're not active, but that That was a six piece band, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying that that uh you know that that may be extravagant, I don't know whatever I don't
0: know, I mean you have an idea in your head, and you it's it's hard not to follow it despite whatever means you have, it's always like you want that six piece band, yeah I mean? like yes. you just want yes. that, and it's gonna make the show better, like people still to this day are like, man, j b, you got to go back to playing solo like. Because back, you know, I could... There's probably a lot of opportunities I leave on the table now because I can't... There's certain promoters that might fly me. They're not going to fly the band. Yes, that's happened
2: to me too. I haven't been back to... haven't been back to Japan with the six-piece. haven't been back to Australia with the six-piece because it's too expensive. Um, But, you know, we'll see in the future.
0: Sure. And... But I can't go back. I just can't go back to... I mean, if I went back to playing solo, it might have to be its own... A new project or something. Because the band, it's... It, it's able to articulate a feeling that i've wanted to throw into the world for a long time but there but there
2: is something you know and i i've been going out solo under my own name yeah um recently and as a supplement you know i could call it why yeah i don't because sure. of that i guess what you're saying in a way so i understand that but there there is something to the flexibility of being able to go out in, in different ways, because yeah, somebody you can't that you know may, may not be able to fly your whole band out, but would just fly you out. Last
0: time, I, I mean, I've gone to Japan before where I've trained a Japanese drummer
2: like oh, that's to the play next one, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: like where my good guitar- have a band in every region, yeah, and I do. I have a band in LA that and I have a I've worked with a lot of different people, and yeah, that's sort of where it's headed, but it's also when you really lock in with two guys, that's like what you want to do. Every right. time, and then some of the other shows feel different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But whatever. That's maybe, maybe that's just in my head. and that, like, I need to remember that there's a certain this feeling. Bee is really a bee, yeah. He really loves likes this you. gash. How sick would it be if during this podcast I got stung in my like in the, in the gash in the gash by this bee? Then it would be like, what are you supposed to do with this bee? I mean, he. I think it's probably like all of the sweat that's accumulated. Is it a sweat bee? This is a sweat bee, I think, and oh my god! You guys can't even. I'm allergic
2: under- to bees, so I'm like scared of it. You guys can't even wanna...
0: understand the drama that's unfolding All right, right now. Okay, he's gone. gone. Wow, this is real time podcasting, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, so
0: okay. So yeah, I don't know. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> so well, we, we've been going pretty good for a while. So you, you,
2: you've. Um, I, I saw on your website that you you're releasing. Some videos, some, like, Doug Pound's yeah, yeah, yeah. early catalog, I guess, yeah. of, like, the early shit maybe he did when he was in high school or just out of high school when he was in there. Yeah, yeah. Working for that uh, public
0: access show or whatever. It, it kind of relates that. All this stuff relates back to this American, like, suburban freakout or yeah. something, like, somehow, like, I feel like the kids that are into Doug and Tim and Eric, I feel like there's maybe something they could like in Juice Box too. I
2: totally see that.
0: But, you know, when I tour a lot, I think that I've, you know, if I go on tour with a punk band or with a rap group, like I'm just going to always cherry-pick. There's never like a community of people that's going to 100% be behind me. Straight up. I split rooms everywhere I play if I do a support tour. Like, I split a punk room, I split a rap room, yeah. and that's just like how it is. So like, when it comes to the Thunder Zone, it's like, well, it's all of these people that I li- like. I, if there's like 10 punk bands, there might be one that I really love, and the rest of them I just think are like generic. Yeah. There's that B again. He's back, man. Dude, maybe we should get up. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do <laughs> Maybe that's the, maybe that's the vibe of this podcast is moving around a little yeah. bit. It's fine. No problems. But yeah, it's sort of like, you know, I just like, I'm divisive.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, everything I've done in some way has been divisive and I'm, I've come to desire terms that? that. Do you desire I don't. Have- I have like real populist tendencies. You know, I love pop music and I love, uh, I love very mainstream stuff as, as well as very niche stuff. But you know that what you're
2: doing is is defiant in some way, no?
0: Yeah, totally. And it's it's that there's like and it's, it's difficult. It's, there's that push and pull between like knowing what I'm doing is inherently confrontational, even calling my music rap rock is like aesthetically confrontational on some level. Now here's a question. Yeah. Because, like I said, I, I believe
2: that you come from a more conscious place whether you'll say it or not I, I don't I mean, I'm not saying you're a kid that went to art school and this this is all a put- on but you're you're aware of you know you' you you have an artistic tendency you're aware of the aesthetic behind things yeah that sort of stuff what if I mean have you and you must have considered this what about opening for or what about getting into, the, like, the ICP scene? Oh, or, I've thought about you know it, you know?
0: Well, I, you know, I've, and I've, I've... love you, actually. I think their fans would genuinely love you. I would shit. be so into it, and in a way, like, what ICP has built as a movement is an influence. Uh, yes, Thunder yes. Zone. I mean, that shit is awesome, actually. what they, They're, like,
2: really smart and, yeah. and have done something that is extremely successful financially and otherwise... And I, you know, I think uh, it's like they built their entire this world. Yet yeah, people can get lost. They're in. not reliant on; they don't have to worry about what a Pitchfork review yeah, does totally. or 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 what uh, you know what what anybody thinks about their records because they have this
0: built-in huge audience. And therein lies, like you know, with Thunderzone, it's like yeah, that's an influence, but so is Factory Records. This post. British post-punk label so it's like trying to sort all of these things out Yeah, because I have just such a wide body of things that excite me that, yes. I, that I'm inspired by so it's like I don't think there's that not to like you know toot my own horn but I just don't think there's that many people in culture that are inspired by factory records and psychopathic records you know it puts me in a very yeah, unique you, position I
2: think you have a unique uh, you have a unique that's what I was saying you have a very niche um, aesthetic aesthetic that that uh, th- there aren't too many, you know. It's 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 generation specific, and and it's like it's time and place specific. You know what I'm yeah, saying? And
0: I, but and like I, I think that's true. But I would hope that the show, when I play, just the intensity and the physicality of the show, like even if for 20 minutes, can transcend all of this other stuff. That's oh, the goal. Absolutely. You know, that's Look, the goal. Absolutely. Is that, I think. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, but, yeah, I mean, the, I think you're absolutely right um, about, you know, sort of the parameters I'm yeah. working with. Yeah, I think we're too loud to be but, sitting uh, there. But, yeah, like, like I mean, that's the goal, is that there's all this culture and all these references, but then, like, that all flies out the window. I want to be able to hit you with the music and the performance in a way that is fully visceral. Right. And you don't have to think about it, and you don't have to, like, <laughs> you don't have to really know uh, know the references, or you don't have to, like... Be deep into it, you can appreciate just like how I play. Well, I mean, I mean,
1: yeah,
2: I would definitely say, like I said, it's not necessarily my first. I'm an older guy. Yeah. You know, like I'm not saying I'm an old man. No, I yeah,
0: no, I know it's not it's not gonna be for everyone. And right, but it's like uh, but 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 let me finish what I'm saying. Like,
2: but but like, yeah, for 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 like angsty kids or punk kids i mean i mean uh, to me it's that seemed i mean you you had you had the room going off you know what i'm saying like there was a lot of energy that it definitely fulfilled that and you have that going on so yeah i i think that and then it wasn't a heady thing it's not like those kids were in there thinking about exactly you know like what what you're talking
0: about or, or Oh, this is whatever aesthetic. You know, it yeah, it's and a it's the, a visceral thing. The book is the book is very much about this because the writer saw me play when he was 16. Mhm. And I was 16 as well and the set just the intensity of the set like bowled him over. And then the book is kind of as we do these interviews, he kind of is has a hard time coming to terms with the fact that what I do is very much considered. Like how can this guy be this wild animal on stage but also have all these influences and all these ideas like you can't put the two together which to me like most artists have those two sides of themselves so that's that's really essential like no matter it doesn't matter if you're making punk or not like i'm sure you can relate to this there's the intuitive and there's the considered yes and you it's kind of like making work is kind of merging those two to me
2: making work the intuitive has to be um i don't want to say in control because intuitive is never in control But but it has to be at the core of your work and and the considered the afterthought, but but the way to put things together, right? I would say.
0: Hope it's the critical impulse. And like he kept here's a thing he keeps coming back to in the book where it's like geniuses in quotes versus critics in quotes. And I don't know. I don't make those that distinction because I think most creative people like are critical. Because the editing process is so
2: crucial. I think you're rarely around someone that is a straight, raw genius of art. That's and, outsider and isn't, art at that point, you know? That becomes outsider art. You're right. You're right. Because they, they they no longer are aware of their context. Yeah, that's rare. Even if you think your favorite artist, you know, if you listen to... Uh, I'm trying to think of somebody that I would think is just like, Oh my God, this person is just... In their own world, unaware of I mean, of like, outsider. I think a lot
0: of people throw some of that stuff at Lil B, for example. Okay, but maybe he's an outsider artist. I don't, but I, he, I, I, don't th- I don't think he is. No, what I would say is I think he's super smart. But he's able to, like, do all these weird things simultaneously in a way that, like, some people, their first reaction is to be, like, this guy's an idiot. But right. they're so obviously wrong. I mean, and I, I think, like, I don't eat, like, I'm such a giant Lil B fan, you know? But I think he gets, like, so much hate on the internet for doing the, for being stupid or making, like, music that is uh, ignorant or whatever. But I think it's, like, so obvious that he's so considered about what he does, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah, you're saying, yeah. I don't, I have no idea, you know. I think we're talking about purity here in some yeah. way. Yeah, and I, I and, but... I also want to apologize to the audience for uh, the the the, flagrant noise. Yeah, around here it's it's that we are uh, we're walking down Hamilton Avenue in Cincinnati in Northside, and uh, looking for a place to sit that where there aren't going to be. My aunt and fees. uncle gave me this gift card to the record store, by the way. Oh, good, 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 good. That's a good record store. That's yeah. that store right there. Shake yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like one of the the country's top record stores, actually. Like uh, Forbes magazine. So okay, now we're at the uh, Sidewinder, yeah, coffee shop. Um, what, did, were you like a punk kid? Is that because I mean you said you started when you were fifteen?
0: Yeah, it was more through punk channels, um, but I was like, I was interfacing with the Milwaukee hip hop community. But like, what does that mean, interface? Well, you know, with them? I mean, I would play occasional shows, and a uh, kid cut up who's a Milwaukee DJ, he produced my first or he recorded my first record. So I I wasn't like. I mean, I was definitely an outsider to that world, but I wasn't unaware of it, and I was definitely, like, I knew members of that community, and I was going to shows. But I was definitely, like, my core base was, like, playing punk and hardcore shows, definitely. I was definitely, like, more embedded in that world than anything else.
2: Did you? And what, what was the music you were
0: listening to at that point? Well, just, like, a lot of hardcore and punk, and a little bit later I got, you know, getting into noise rock was like really like that was sort of the first thing i got into that what's noise rock like i don't know like at that moment it was maybe like bands like lightning bolt okay or black dice or that's that, not that, that's not well yeah i guess that's noise rock you'd call that okay just like very very loud noisy, noisy and maybe you know with a certain visual component to yeah. a certain like a psychedelic like i guess you could call it refer to it as psychedelic Abrasively psychedelic. Abrasive,
2: like, yeah. Yeah, like
0: Lightning Bolt and Black Dice, to me, were like contemporary Those are pretty different bands,
2: though. It
0: was all part I, of the same... I
2: think, see, I think they were part of the same scene,
0: kind of. Yeah, yeah. Okay.
2: I think of Lightning Bolt, whatever, this is my ignorance, but uh, as being more um, coming from hardcore, and I think sure. uh, Black Dice as
0: coming more from electronic, in a way, maybe, well, but maybe that, not. that's true. Uh, they morphed into an electronic band, but early Black Dice's... Hard, is very noisy well, it was sort of well, it that hardcore. it was that thing where it was fast and it was noisy and like they kind of like dove off that cliff into psychedelic sec- like electronic music got it like it just the music kept on getting faster and noisier that it like it just turned into yeah then, then they yeah a tone yeah totally but it all was just I think it was more of a spirit like these bands all kind of had a certain visual sensibility yeah. and they made cool weird videos and that was really exciting to me and at that time, too, I was, I mean, I was listening to rap shows, and I was going to rap shows, too, like under, you know, something like Atmosphere I saw many times as a 13, 14-year-old, right. because I'm from Milwaukee, so, I mean, that, there was the late-night hype, did you ever go on the late-night hype show in Milwaukee? No. It was like an underground rap show that, okay. you know, would have a lot of people from, whatever, the Scribble Jam circuit. Yeah. I was very aware of that stuff, and I was a fan of that. But you know, I didn't have a lot of those shows were twenty one and up, and I had more direct access to hardcore and punk. Yeah, so that was yeah. sort of what I was really more set getting. up for the youth. Yeah, totally. But I was listening to that music and I was buying those records, and but then I kind of got into mainstream hip hop when I was like sixteen. It was like kind of at the same time as I got into this crazy noise music. I Which also, was what? What was mainstream hip hop? I was like more just like southern rap. Like okay. I started to get into southern rap and like Baltimore club music and just maybe party music. Right you know so I was getting into this crazy like party music but also this like deranged noise stuff simultaneously and that was sort of a reaction because when I first started you know there was underground rap and there was like bands that sounded like Fugazi and that was all kind of coming from a similar sensibility which was to say like maybe sometimes sort of serious sort of political but I was searching for something that was the opposite of that like in a way like Lightning Bolt you know they come from a sort of Fort Thunder d- does have political roots but there was something sort of irreverent and just like exciting and intense about their music and same with like Baltimore Club it was just party music you know it had no political pretensions it had it wasn't serious it was like fun loving you know and somehow and then, that both of those things the way you tri- feel about your music? I think it's morphed a lot since then but I think when I was 16 or 17 I was definitely trying to consciously make music that was like fun and sort of party based in yes. some ways but then, uh, and and it was reactionary in the same way that you know making rap rock now is sort of reactionary, making party music at these, showing up at a hardcore punk show with these political punks and then playing like a Little John of the East Side Boys song on the PA before I went on stage. Yeah. Do do but do do you think that you say that that being rap rock or,
2: or whatever is reactionary? Yeah. You don't think that maybe this is interesting because. My last week's guest was P- is P.O.S. Oh, interesting. Who also has roots in punk and hardcore. Sure. But then ended up doing hip-hop. Yeah, yeah. And almost in a rap-rock way as sure. well. But in a very different way than you do it. Yeah. And both of you in a very different way than, say, someone like Limp Biscuit. Sure. Know? Yeah. Um. So, I'll ask you, do you think that it was that your decision to go in that direction is reactionary or do you think it's just how
0: you came up? Yeah, no, it's multiple things I think at once. I think in one way it's like something confrontational about putting a label on this thing that has all this baggage but also like trying to do it in a way that is makes people reconsider, you know? But it's, like I said, it kind of comes back to this critical intuitive balance. Like, of course it's intuitive for me to make it because, yeah, I'm a, Kid who grew up rapping at punk shows, in some ways it would have made sense for me to do this from the beginning. It took me 15 years to like. One of my friends, last time I played in Kansas City, he was really smart. He was like, wow, you finally reached the inevitable in the most like jagged way. Like, it's like, here's point A, here's point B. You went like this, right? Like, to get to like what's obviously the core of what you do, which is like, you're a punk kid who raps. And has all these influences like of course it makes sense for me to do this thing with a band you know
2: and you think from the very beginning this has sort of been what you've been
0: i mean obviously it has because it happened what you've been moving towards but but it, it's i took all these little detours along yeah. the way and i think they were necessary for me to take because like you know when i was making dance records and that was cool because it allowed me to go to europe and do all sorts of weird stuff but it also i honed in on a certain pop songwriting just for making those records. When you say dance records, are we talking like in the in the world of like Dan Deacon and this kind of thing? Yeah, I mean Dan's an old friend actually. And we yeah. played it. We played it. We played some shows in yeah. England together around that time, you know. But it was even less it was less arty than what Dan like. To me, Dan comes out of like Providence and Lightning Bolt, but he's just taking that in a more like a different, taking that energy and putting it into a different place. But I was making house music records pretty much with rapping up top, hip house records. Okay. You know, and it was like that stuff was very much. Retro in a certain way Like we were trying To make these records That sounded like early, Late 80's Chicago house records Right Cause nobody Like Nobody was nobody really Doing Nobody was it. acknowledging That scene And, and you, yeah And we would get Good people to remix it And we kind of Like inserted ourselves Into you know Whatever was happening 2006, 2007 With you know Playing shows with Diplo and Spank Rock And that kind of thing And it was party music And and that was cool but even when i was doing that i still had this idea what i'm doing now that was still in the back of my head but i think it just took me some time to figure out how to actually express it do you feel like you've reached some sort of uh
2: place of leveling like oh okay i i i was approaching this and needed to get to this place of with my sound or my or my aesthetic and now i'm here and I feel comfortable for a while to stay here.
0: Yeah, actually for the first time I feel like okay, I kind of have these parameters that are working for me and I just want to m- make it better. I have the, I feel like more than ever in my career I have the blueprint and I just need to do it better. What is it about this if it's not like other people's perception because it
2: seems like it's not. It seems like if you were if you were going by that you would have stuck doing house music.
0: And yeah, I mean, I would have been—I would have just probably been like an EDM DJ at this point, right? So that's what the world wanted you to do. That's what—that's yeah. what the world was pushing you
2: towards. But that's not what you wanted. What if it wasn't that? What about what you're doing
0: now? Do you think feels right? Well, I just think it's the closest to like synthesizing all of my favorite things and then spitting them out in a way that feels singular to myself and it took me a long time to just get there which is to say rap rock dance and then this kind of anthemic Springsteen spirit all kind of put together in a way that it's still eclectic but I think when you put them all together especially in the live context it kind of like sends a message and now I'm just writing songs within those parameters, but still, even so, you're thinking about while you're writing songs, you're thinking about the the sound that it's going to have and stuff later. Well, forward. you know, I write a ton of different kinds of songs, and this is the hardest thing for me right now is that some people like you z- zeroed in on opening up your, your life. Some people really like the the pop these kind of poppy songs that I make, and That's I just like, my personal, yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, 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 no, and but, no. It's interesting what people like out of me because then there's other people that love the fact that I can do these sort of like ill-communication style rap songs right. and then follow it up with a fast, hardcore song. Like, different people That's want... That's just not my world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I yeah. mean, ill-communication... Yeah, the Beastie Boys world is my world, and I hear that
2: influence uh, within your stuff for sure, and I was going to bring that up. Um,
0: no, but, I mean, I'm not saying... Nobody's wrong to, like, give... Sure, to say this. Sure. Just, it just makes it... Because when I'm writing the music, I'm not thinking this, but it goes to the editing process. It's like, okay, I have 25 songs. How am I going to Arrange these on record. Am I going to put ten poppy songs together and make a, just a pop record? Am I going to do a noisy punk rap record, or am I going to like put what I think are just the thirteen best songs, regardless of genre? On, and you know, and I have the same the same di- conundrum have, every every time I make a record. That's yeah. interesting. And what, what what's your response usually? I've done different things. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I've made
2: more eclectic records. Sometimes I've split. You know, like in the case of. My I had two records called Alopecia and Eskimo Snow. In the case of those, that I had, I guess we had 23 songs or something like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, we decided to split it up into two records that sounded
0: quite different. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it just depends. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's that's so that's sort of where I'm at right now is the editing process because I surround myself with a lot of different kinds of people and you know different people give me different advice yeah and i'm open i'm always open to advice you know sure. i mean i'm not gonna, maybe i won't take the advice but i'm definitely open to feedback same here you know yeah. but uh so yeah that's sort of where i'm at now is i feel like i've zoned in on writing maybe like three or f- at this point three or four different very generally different kinds of songs and it's like okay how am i gonna arrange these so i don't know until until i figure that out i'm just gonna keep writing more you know and like yeah, uh, I, I'm not
2: quite at that point yet, but I'm about to get to that point at some point. Yeah. Where, where I'll have to start deciding what
0: it is that I'm doing. Yeah, and that's a it's a, you know after this tour's over, I probably won't tour for. A while. I'm not touring as much as I used to, but uh, yeah, after this tour's over, I think I'm just gonna get to work at that. And I'm sure I figure I have no choice but to figure out in some way. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm sorry, what was your day job again? I forgot. Already. Writing. Writing. Yeah, that's all I'm gonna say.
1: Okay. Keep it mysterious.
0: I'm just writing a little bit. You are, know? are you a pitchfork writer? I do not write okay. for any music magazine. That's all. I'm, that's all I'm going to say. I yeah. do not write for any sort of music magazine. Okay. Yeah. You're very
2: secretive. You're, you, you keep well. Like, you, you know, s- you stay
0: cloaked. Pe- people don't need to. You know, people can figure it out. People can do the. De- it's for the, re- the. The deep heads can do the deep Google searches. You know. Sure, sure. You know, that's what I used to do when I was a kid. I wanted to figure some shit out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Dogpile. Maybe it was on Dogpile back then, or. I don't straight. know what that is. We'll find you though. Yeah, that Dogpile was a kind of right before Google. Dogpile was the go-to search engine for a Got very it. short amount of time. I mean, maybe some people skipped over it. Got it. A okay. lot of people went straight from Yahoo to Google. Me, I did some time on Dogpile myself. Okay. Just respect to do- Dog Shout out to Dogpile, pretty good search oh, engine. All right. That's a good. That'd be a good uh, band name. Well. Dogfile. Yeah, that would be I'm a good sure punk it already band. is a band
2: name. There's, punk band, yeah. there's
0: fifteen bands called Dog. There's exactly. fifteen bands in Cincinnati called Dogfile. Exactly, exactly. Um, how do you, how do you find Cincinnati? Do you like a good yeah. scene here? Well, You know, I've been coming here to, once or twice a year since I was a kid because I have family here.
2: Right. So you were so saying I'm, that. Why,
0: why is your family here? I don't know. I mean, okay. they just ended up here. I think. Well, my aunt and uncle moved here, and I think my grandfather and grandmother followed, and. uh... Yeah, you know, my, my aunt and uncle, they live in College Hill. A great and really nice house. Just right there. up the road. You yep. stayed there last night? Yeah, it's great. We all had uh, nice sleeping quarters. It was, like, better than a hotel, you know? Yeah. I really appreciate, you know, that's that's a reason to come to Cincinnati on every tour. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's something that feels good on the, yeah. But the community, that show, the, com- this, the those kids are, it's really positive, I think, because, like, Willie and I were talking, like, a lot of cities, you know, either you show up and you play the punk show or you play the rap show. And this was, like, a really weird mix of kids last night. There were some punks and there were some hip-hop kids and some people that were maybe more into certain forms of electronic music. And they're all kind of coexisting, and it was really positive and cool. So that was great. And this, that, this crew side, that... I don't know if they still use that term anymore, this guy Robert Inhuman. And I think they've... Had, did their part in fostering this community. And Realiside sort of are like Atari Teenage Riot or something in the most general sense, which is to say they tour Europe and they play these like gabber squat shows and it's kind of punk. But and they're from here. They're from here. And this I is like a break that core, name it's like break a core, sort of aggressive. And Robert and Human's new project, Decide Today, which is a great name too. Aside today. Decide, Decide today Decide Today It's Ooh. a really good punk name I think That is good Yeah More, more of a hardcore name Totally more of hardcore like a, yeah. Youth of Today style like Fugazi yeah. era Yeah And he played and it was great It was like kind of fast uh, Like a lot drum punk but with drum machines and samples Got Almost it Almost like industrial like ministry maybe but with positive very political lyrics Okay And it was cool I mean he's just he's a great performer What, what makes you
2: not political or, or why did you ne- why were you never interested in that
0: I mean, I have my own politics, of course, and, you know, my aunt and uncle and a lot of my extended family are very, very politically active. My aunt was one of the founders of Muse, the women's choir from Cincinnati, and, you know, she's a public school teacher. and my, my dad was a public school teacher. My mom did that for a while, and she was a sign language interpreter at youth. So I have a lot of... Your family's left-wingers. Yeah, I have a left-wing background, but with Juicebox, I just... I th- I like using a limited language. And I was kind of explaining this to my aunt earlier today about why I'm not don't make political music. I just feel like using a very contained language music has the ability to connect with people in a way that most things in this world don't. And uh you know, putting politics into music sometimes is a way to like put up a wall where a wall maybe didn't exist otherwise you know which is to say the language of music can be very transcendent and and I'm just kind of interested in that and I'm also like interested in some of my favorite lyricists are people that use very specific uh, build a very specific world with language and lyrics and kind of stick within that or at the very least use that as a blueprint to extrapolate from so I'm kind of trying to build my world. Who are some of your favorite lyricists, or who are you looking to for? for I mean, for I like that Andrew inspiration. W-K- Springsteen and Andrew WK. Like, I'm maybe the only person, but I make a connection between them in my brain. As just a cert- they use a certain. Limit. They
2: both have this sort of idea of glory,
0: or like uh, this um, exuberant thing. right? I mean, it's pot- Like the the way I would describe the music I make is it's like positivity through darkness which is to say I'm not, you know, the music and the show can get dark, but, like, hopefully it's ultimately triumphant. It's not just blind positivity or blind party music. There's, like, a push and pull. And the same tightrope walk between chaos and entertainment, I feel like I'm on that tightrope walk between positivity and, like, self-destruction, you know. And it's always kind of, I like to ride that line because I think that's where I can carve out my own space. Do 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 you ever get sick of like grimy squatty sp- spots every every night and 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 like? Well, it's cool because it's um it's not every show on every tour is like like I ideally like this tour is pretty like since it, it's only ten days and I booked it for the most part at punk places, but other tours I you know it's very like a, a ideal tour for me at this moment if I go out for a month or something is like a mix of stuff like maybe some a a string of little support gigs for a bigger band and then a couple college gigs so I can you know come home with a little bit of money and then some punk things and then maybe some art gallery spaces I mean for me at this point that's the ideal is to mix it up because none of those worlds are like fully mine but I feel like they all have something to offer you can dip into each one yeah yeah. but once you know it's ideal but it's also like I said at the beginning it's made things confusing because nobody, I think, like, you know, if I get in front of some punks, like, they might just be like, is it okay for us to like this guy? Even even if maybe they're, like, viscerally feeding off of the energy I'm giving them, they still might be, like... Because, you know, there's counter... Still,
2: there's still a dogmatism within Counterculture
0: is closed-minded often. Yes, I agree. You know? So, I don't know. It's better for me to just follow, go my own path and dip in, dip in and out, you know, and make friends you know I make friends in all these worlds but it's like I think the friends I often make are always like the most open minded punks or the weirdest rap kids or whatever I you mean, know the, what
2: the, I mean? The, the, the less the less fledgling a, a, a movement or, or a, a counterculture is the less dogmatic it is that's what I find like yeah. hip hop for, for me in, in the mid late 90s was a lot more closed minded than it is now yeah, and and same with punk. I feel like I think for the most part people are are usually open to to. It
0: meant more back then,
2: like it, like you know what I mean. Like and, it, and hit... people were like holding it so sacred, sure. you know. It was like, oh, we can't ruin this thing, you know.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think there's something amazing about that. Obviously, that like produces incredible stuff. Like when there are those limitations and there is that like sort of gatekeeper energy that can be really good for the music, but... It also holds it back. It holds it back, and I just think me as an individual, like, I can appreciate the most genre-focused music, but me as an individual, I just kind of have to be myself. And that means, like, doing it in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
2: And you seem, you seem like you uh, you know what you want. You have a pretty... Which is, I think, a big thing in this life, you, you seem to have a, a an understanding of, of, of who you are and, and where you want to go.
0: Yeah, and it's taken a long time to... I don't know if I have that full understanding yet, but I think even to get to this point, it's taken a lot of trial and error. And I've come to accept sort of recently that if something would have happened for me differently when I was 22 or 23, ultimately, it probably wouldn't have been good. Like, I like have to... if you
2: would have blown up, you mean? Yeah,
0: because I don't think I would have been ready for it and i don't think i actually it's taken me this much time to just figure out how to make the music i want to make maybe if i would have gotten some sort of weird shot then i would have blown it i don't know or maybe this is just me trying to be positive but you know i don't know i just try not to look back in that way anymore because it's not really constructive but also like yeah i think the music i'm making now is a result of experience in some ways do you feel
2: like you get ideas and energy f- through your interactions with
0: other people or or is it more something that, that sort of you think of in those quiet moments I think it's it's less about like I think there has definitely been things where I'm always reacting against whatever community I'm a part of so it's like I'm playing a noise show I'm gonna play like pop music you know I'm playing a dance show now I have a band so I don't I don't like I think it's really about those YouTube deep dives or just like a lot of r- fandom and that kind of sparks if something inspires me so deeply what, what are you saying you, you're saying I just, you like, alone I, at home yeah I'm just a student of the game in some ways and like I uh, you know listening to records and reading about stuff and that's more important to me than like seeing a band and being like I want to do that. You know, it's never been about that. Even like seeing bands that, like just because I, like which just because I went and saw like some noise band that blew my mind, my reaction wasn't I'm gonna start a noise band. If that makes sense. But you
2: do feel like your your other consumption, like reading and listening to music at home, does influence what you want to do with your with your stuff.
0: Yeah, totally. It's more, but it's more about looking backwards. It's not. It's I've never. I'm never like ultra influenced by what's actually happening in culture in the moment. I might like it, but it's never my reaction is to not like I don't want to do exactly what's I have some at I have some like reactionary attitude against the zeitgeist often, which isn't to say that I don't like that stuff. I find a lot of value in it, but I don't necessarily want to do it myself.
2: So so you'll dig back and pull from past work from people that you find interesting and And, then and get and gather inspiration and to try to
0: connect the dots between these things if if like i just start seeing pattern there's like a certain pattern recognition where i see things and i go oh why hasn't that synapse been connected or whatever so yeah it's sort of a weird thing but it comes out of me just being it's a fan impulse in some ways is that i'm making the records that like i don't know if they're like out there necessarily you know, I don't know. Right. Like, I'm trying to carve out this singular space, and if I think too much about like what's happening in like Pitchfork Land or whatever, it, it's this doesn't matter to me really. I mean, I like that. I'm not like an anti. I like that a lot of that music, but it's not really what's really guiding me as a musician. You know? Right. Like if, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you're you're guided by by. Yeah, your your own gut. I'm guided by my gut and I'm just guided by like, you know what I see as like a history of American music and being like, how can I be the next like link in that chain or something, even if it's just in my head? Just engaging with that history as a fan and as a producer is really important to me. And I think a lot of stuff that's happening currently, it's not like I don't see myself as part of that history. I see myself as part of this other history that maybe I've just constructed in my head, but that's how it becomes real. That's an alternative history? Yeah, you know, an alternative history of rap rock. That's what Juicebox is. Right, you know? right. It's right. like, I need to make that DJ mix, actually. I've been, it's been percolating in my head. I like that title, would, An
2: Alternative History of Rap Rock. And I,
0: of course I would put my own music in there, Yeah, but it would be like, it's like, okay, let's connect these dots now,
2: you know? I think you need to make that DJ mix. Yeah. Um, how's your physical health? It's pretty good. Not bad? Touring like
0: this doesn't fuck, fuck with you? No, I stay... I mean, I eat like shit, but I don't party very hard. You don't drink that much? Well, this tour I haven't because of this gash. I mean, I kind of, like, partying is sort of... I go in and out of it, maybe. And I'm not... I think somehow I see friends of mine, I see myself in the middle of, like, extremes, because I, I have a lot of friends that party pretty hard. And for me, it's never a defining... Thing, but you know sometimes I sometimes I have self-destructive impulses and sometimes I don't this tour I probably won't I haven't done drugs and I probably won't drink for the rest of the tour what's drugs um just whatever I don't know I don't really want to get you know That's fine. you know what I mean That's but like fine. it's just like sometimes I have these destructive impulses but it's never been a guiding thing for me
2: do you have a girlfriend no do you, do you ever have girlfriends or not really I've had some but I mean, are you more more often
0: not in relationships, or more often in relationships? I'm mostly not in relationships. Do you sleep with girls on the road sometimes? Um, once again, you know, just like drugs, it's just like a it's um it goes it goes many ways, you know. It goes in cycles or whatever. When, yeah, yeah, I mean, I would say can I would say I'm pretty tame compared to a lot of people. Maybe, but you know, yeah. my that's what I'm saying. It's like. You know, you go on tour with some garage rock bands in the South and, you know, you sort of see how far it can be pushed. And I don't really... That's not me. It's its always... I do feel like... I just, like... I think it's similar to the music I make when it comes to partying. You know, the music I Hard make... Hard fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, you know, that I should say that because then I'll sound cooler. But I think it's just, you know... I, I, I... Position myself next to next to the extremes, and I don't feel like I fit into any of them. Right. Which is to say, it's all very idiosyncratic with me, and you're going to have a hard time figuring it out. Were you an outsider as a kid? Like,
2: were you, or did you have a big group of friends?
0: I uh, I moved I moved around. You know, I mean, I would I I just no no no, no no no. I mean, I would just like you know, I grew up in the suburbs, and I would come into the city every weekend in high school and go to shows and play shows I don't think I was I, I never positioned myself in opposition to kids in school like I wasn't the kid wearing like all black in the corner you know it's a pretty social kid and I always could try to you know I was sort of could find reasons to hang out with people and, but, but yeah I was doing my own thing you know I was going did to shows fe- did you
2: feel like sort of outside even though even if you were in a group of friends did you feel different
0: well I mean I'm an only child so I've I, I've always um, I've always felt tethered to these communities But it's never like You know some friends of mine would fully own it They'd be like I'm gonna get a mohawk I'm gonna get a be- crass patch Or I'm gonna get into the 5, five seven, nine, 10 elements of rap music You know And that was never me You know And like same with ki- I'm, You know I could hang out with kids who like listen to Fish, But I fucking hated Fish, you know Or whatever You know it's just like I'm just trying to be my. I've always tried to sort of be myself or something, not, not bound by by these these uh, notions. Though. I mean, that's what juice. When you think about what juice Box really was, it was just like uh, this kid at punk shows like rapping. You say was, just you mean back then? Yeah, back then, back when I was like 15. It's like that was like if that was like such an obvious expression of some sort of like individuality to be the one kid like at some hardcore show and there's seven political screamo bands playing and then in the middle of that I go on and I wearing a jumpsuit and like rolling around on the floor over like pre-recorded rap beats, you know. Right. Pretty much sums it up, I guess, you know. Yeah. I don't know. But Fine. it was never like but yeah, those kids were my friends though. I just didn't want to make music like them. Right. Know? Right.
2: What's what's uh it, we'll close it up in a sec, but but I'm I'm just wondering what what you have in front of you. What are you looking towards? Um, doing, or what, what What? do you hope to achieve?
0: Just making more music and performing and putting doing, just more of the same, pretty much. I mean, I just feel like I'm building infrastructure with this label, and, you know, of course, do I think about quitting every day? Yeah, absolutely, you know. Like you go
2: through a distributor and stuff like that? And no. Not yet.
0: No, and I mean, I put out records that have, and, like, this record, you know, a small label from L.A. called Vinyl International is doing the vinyl. They put out, like, all the early Ariel Pink records, and I've, you know, I've put out records on, like, seven different small labels, but it's, like, at this point, like, I started Thunder Zone because I just wanted to take things into my own hands, and, like, I, um... I'm just, Thunder Zone. Yeah, take just, things into your own yeah, hands. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be the new... I'm going to sample that, and, you know. But, yeah, I mean, it's just about... I mean, the, 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 the dream is for, like, Thunder Zone to just, uh... Continue. I mean, I'm open to working with other people, but at this point, I'm kind of, I'm working on building this world. I think that makes sense these days to have your own,
2: like, you know, I just talked to Sage last week, Sage yeah, Francis. Yeah. He's got his own thing. He puts his stuff out on Strange, Famous. You know, I mean, it makes sense nowadays to, to uh, have your own thing, not have any kind of bloatedness, you know, streamline things
0: yeah it, it's good and it's also just allows me to you know kind of be a curator and put out stuff for my friends and put out stuff that i find is interesting like the dug pound tape or whatever so it allows me to i think that gives context to the music i make too yeah so it's exciting it's exciting to just be able to work on different levels i guess you know
2: yeah Anything else that we that we missed? I mean, long long conversation, but I, I feel like I don't still don't know you well as well as I'd like to. There's, there's a lot of a lot of avenues we haven't taken. Anything else that I the glaringly missed? I don't know. Probably it's fine though. <laughs> you know. Well, what about just uh, lastly, wh- Why did this guy Why did he d- decide to write a book about you? And and what? did you think when he initially told you like I'm writing this book about you and, and was that like in the beginning of the process or like way at the end
0: um, well I don't think either of us thought it was going to be a book and I kind of believe him I think he probably thought it was going to be like a part of the book was excerpted in a M plus one what's that it's like a Brooklyn literary journal Okay. of like a certain level of you know renown uh, and that's kind of what I thought it would be I thought it would be in some literary journal or maybe on some like like Leon's, like he's, he's, he's an accomplished writer. So I assumed he would find a good outlet for a piece of long-form journalism, pretty much, and that happened. But then, I think he expanded it. Well, I think the, for whatever reason, it just it sparked something in in him, and he kept writing. It. And it's a it's a short book. It's like 200 pages and liberally spaced text is slightly. You know what I mean? It's a quick read. Like most people that I've talked to, just kind of like tear through it in like a couple hours right you know and it's like a long form essay that's i guess the best way to look at it i don't know i mean i think maybe i think like i've sparked some things that have been in this writer's head for a long time and i think he's been able to use me to think about some other stuff and talk about some other stuff in his life and talk about his family and talk about a lot of stuff in some ways that sparked some stuff in him the book is more, maybe more about him than me, or it's E fifty fifty and I wouldn't call Leon a music writer, you know, and I wouldn't necessarily think that... If somebody gets anything from the book, it, I don't think they're going to get music journalism out of it. Yet. Has it
2: strained your relationship
0: um, with him? Well, I don't know if we, like... I don't know if we ever really had, like, a relationship in some respects. I see, I see. You know? Um, which is to say... You know, he interviewed me a lot, and maybe we hung out a couple times after that. But I think this experience has been weirdly transactional on both ends, you know? And I think he he probably would be bummed to hear me say that. But, like, I don't know. I think there was times... there. Were, I mean, like, there were times when he was writing the book, I think, when he, uh, like... I. I mean, there was times I hit him up to hang out, and he, you know, like he was kind of like distant for a while. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I think it's on both of our ends. It's just a weird thing. I mean, I, if he wanted to interview me, we'd known each other on and off for years. He's from Milwaukee. He's from Sh- outside Oak Park, outside of Chicago. Okay. Um. And I don't know. It's just a fucking weird thing. I don't really know. I don't have any real perspective on it right now because I'm too deep in it. Right, right. It's a really weird thing. And, of course, I've had a lot of problems with a lot of things said in it, you know. But I think anyone would. I think yeah. if a similar project happened to you... Yeah, like, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I I've,
2: I would definitely be concerned about how I'm portrayed in something like that.
0: Definitely. Um, yeah, it's just uh, he... It's just one man's very specific relationship with my music. Right. Very, very... One man's very, very specific relationship with my music. That makes sense, yeah. And and I think some people like it that he doesn't really know that much about music. Like, I think that's... Some people have told me, like, well, that's kind of what's good about the book, is that he knows nothing about music, but somehow... And he doesn't like any of your contemporaries, but somehow he found something to like in you, or that show changed him in a weird way when he was 16. What does he normally write about? He wrote for the New York Observer for a while about... Um, he's, he writes about a lot. I mean, he wrote for the Boston Globe for four years, and he wrote a kind of weekly column where he would synthesize ideas from academics about maybe some one topic, and, like, pop, sort of pop academic writing, which is to say, like, he's smart, and he can talk to all these really smart people and kind of... M- Write an article that... He can dumb it down for the rest of us. Dumbs it down, yeah, and kind of gives you like a brief, concise overview of some like trend happening in academia or in psychology, whatever, you know. Okay. I don't know. That's a terrible, probably oh, bad way to describe what he does. But, you know, he write, he's a journalist. You yeah. know, He's a journalist. Yeah. He, I wouldn't call him a critic, necessarily. Well, you know? people would uh, decide for themselves. The book is called The Next Next Level, and... Uh, I don't get a cent from it. There should be a thing where every time uh, somebody buys a next next level on paperback, they're forced to give five dollars to my bandcamp. That is kind of messed up that you don't get paid. I should at have all. said like the book. I should have said the book can't come out unless. Uh, Did you have to sign something? No, I never signed anything. I mean, it's like. I mean. I'm seeing lawsuit. I'm yeah, seeing uh, that's that's how you're getting paid off of this. Yeah. Well, you know, when I make my life story into a Hallmark movie of the week, where uh, you know. What, the guy who's the who's the um, Savage brother from Boy Meets World Fred Savage Fred Savage is gonna play me he's a little older mm-hmm. than me but
2: it will work out well I, I hope that it that it somehow helps things in, well, your, just in your life a little weird, bit it's just another <laughs> weird
0: thing that has happened in my weird life you know yes yes and that's that's a good way to end it
2: well people people will uh, will decide for themselves what they think about it and read it but, but listen to his music check him out Juicebox Three X's. Three X's. We have we, been walking around North Side here in Cincinnati. Um, sat in several different locations. We're at,
0: we're outside of a uh, sidewinder right now. Say bye to the folks. Take it easy. Enter the Thunder Zone.
2: <laughs> yes, y'all. You know what it is—the Wandering Wolf. And uh, it's my pleasure to bring these to you. Thank you for listening. Uh, go to the dot If you like it, donate um, or or buy a t shirt on there, or buy uh, a mixtape. Uh, you know, support support. I do have some some upcoming interviews that I want to get that are plane rides away, and I'd like to be able to just go do it. Somebody, somebody, give me some advice about getting on that one thing where people can kind of donate on a regular basis. What is that called? You tell me. I can't remember what that's called. That people are on, not Kickstarter and not the other one, but but it's something like specifically for like ongoing projects. All right, I'm gonna let you guys get to what you get into you, and I'm gonna get to my day, uh, you know, working on these these uh, these voice memo bits and, and uh, putting forging some some tunes out of those. So you guys take care. See you next week. Keep wondering.